I love celebrations, don't you? Especially when they involve a lemon ice box pie. I love those type of celebrations. I enjoy them. I love gathering with people and talking about good things and uh, eating good meals and just rejoicing together. I am so proud that Jesus liked those things as well. I, I, see, this is one area of Christ-likeness that maybe I can attain in my life. Enjoying these kinds of fellowships, these kind of meals, going and celebrating together. Jesus loved to celebrate. If you look at his life, if you look at his ministry, he was willing to go wherever and do whatever to celebrate what God was doing. In Luke chapter 14, we'll focus today on Jesus' attendance at a banquet, at a party. And again, Jesus was one of those that just made his rounds, that it didn't matter whether he was with what people called sinners and tax collectors, as we see in chapter 15, or whether he's with the Pharisees, as we'll look in chapter 14, he is able to go and minister and to celebrate what God the Father was doing in his ministry. In Luke chapter 14 in particular, as Jesus is celebrating, he comes to the house of a Pharisee. Actually, it's on the Sabbath. He's gone to this house. He is uh, there enjoying this banquet with one of the rulers of the Pharisee. And in that moment, as he's celebrating, well, you know Jesus would have to ask an awkward question. Now listen, you know there are those moments in celebrations where somebody just asks something and it just makes the whole moment awkward, right? You ever been there with an awkward person? Don't point to them. But Jesus just makes the moment uncomfortable, awkward. He looks around and he says, hey, by the way, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Well, Jesus does this knowing that there is somebody in the room that has a physical disability. So Jesus says, is it okay? Because Jesus understood that one of the reasons he's there at this banquet, one of the reasons the Pharisee that they have invited him at this point is that they are trying to trip him up in his ministry. So he knows that. So he says, before we have any conversations, before you say anything else, um, I'd like to just ask a question. Theologically, I'm just going to throw it out there. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Well, he knew the Pharisees' disposition. He knew their perspective. And yet he knew that if they were to say that they disagreed with healing on the Sabbath, that it would also violate the expectation of this guest who had physical disability. So Jesus just asked a question. Nobody says a word. So what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus heals the man. He heals the man there. And then Jesus asked the question. He says, hey, if you have an, a donkey or an ox in the ditch, would you not try to help them on the Sabbath? And the idea is if you would try to help them, why would you not try to help someone that was in the need of healing. So Jesus moves on. And then he makes the moment even more awkward. And he says to the people, he says, hey, I'm looking around, and as I'm noting the guests who are here, I, I realize that a lot of them are trying to jockey for the best position at the table. They're hoping to get the best position, the best seats. And all of the people that I see as well they all seem to be connected with this same circle. The circle of the elite, the circle of the religious leadership. That's kind of what I see 
here in this place. So verse 12, that's where we're going to begin reading this morning. Jesus looks at them in this context and he says, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. And when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So Jesus says to them, hey, when you're giving a party, don't just invite your friends and your relatives and all. Now, there's nothing wrong with inviting your friend, right? And you consider your pastor your friend. (laughs) Nothing wrong with your friend. Nothing wrong with the relatives coming over. Nothing wrong whatsoever. But Jesus is trying to teach a point here. Jesus knows Why they're there, the motive, he understands the Pharisee's mind. So he says, you ought to think about those people that cannot do anything for you. It's not just about having parties in order to impress other people and somehow gain something from them. He said, you ought to invite people to your home that, with the full expectation that they may not can do anything for you. And then he gives us this great parable. That's where I want us to focus Because in the midst of the banquet, in the midst of a celebration, he gives us the parable of a great banquet. Okay? Verse 15. Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. So Jesus has made everybody uncomfortable. Everybody feels awkward. And there's one spiritual guy there. Can you imagine this? All right, one spiritual guy that's trying to bring everything back around and make everybody feel at ease. He comes around and he says, Jesus got you, but isn't it going to be great one day when we're all in the kingdom together? It's going to be awesome one day because all of us, all of us going to be there. Let's focus on the things that unite us, not the things that divide us. Jesus, we're all going to be there. Jesus says, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time, to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came, reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. The servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. So Jesus gives this great story. He says, well, let's talk about the ones who will be there. Those who have become a part of the kingdom. Those who have welcomed the kingdom of God into their lives. He said, let's talk about it. Let, Let me describe it in this way. He says, there's this man that's given a great party, a great supper. And he sends out the message to all to let them know 
that he is giving a wonderful celebration. Now look, in the New Testament day, even in the Old Testament, the invitation was given twofold. There were twofold parts. Basically, you would go out and you would tell people that you wanted to come, that you were having a party. You needed to let them know up front. You needed, you needed an RSVP. You ever seen one of those things before? Most of, them, most of us ignore it most of the time, but RSVP. In other words, you've got to let us know if you're coming. Why? Because we've got to make all the preparation. I mean, this would be a wonderful supper. This would be a wonderful banquet. And it's going to take all kinds of preparation. It's going to cost money. We've got to decide how many, uh, how many animals that we're going to bring in for this feast. We've we got to work it all out. So we need to know if you're coming. So that's the first invitation. The second type of invitation would be more immediate. That is that the man would send out somebody to all those on the guest list. And he would say, hey, we, we fixed the supper, the banquet, everything's good. It, it's ready. Everything is set. It's time for you to come. So there was a twofold invitation. So here in this story, already the guest list has been approved. People have let the master know who will be there. We're coming. Don't worry about it. We will, it's down on our, well, it's down on our calendar. We've got it punched into our iPhones. We know that we will be there on this time. But then the moment comes for that second part of the invitation. The messenger goes out. He says, everything's ready. I mean, we have, we have put the spread out for you. It's going to be great. Our master wants to demonstrate his generous hospitality. And then you see the responses. Three are recorded for us here. All of these that are recorded for us are excuses. Now, I know you know Nothing about excuses, right, in your life? Those of you who have children, <laughs> grandchildren, may we be quite honest, though, our children and grandchildren, they use excuses because they have seen us demonstrate such in our lives as well. We have given them a good model, have we not, of excuses? I forgot. I just didn't think about it. I, I mean, we could go on and on and on. I went to Leslie this week, and I said, Leslie, I'm preaching on this. And, you know, she's a good resource for me. Usually, as I said before, she writes some of my sermons, but some of them she just kind of helps me with. And I went to her, and I said, hey, can you think of some excuses in life and all? And when she started naming the excuses that I give to her, I decided I'd just leave those things out. It wasn't necessary to even give examples of. I've been convicted, and now I have repented of that sin. We all have excuses. Notice these three. Notice the three excuses that are given. It said, Jesus said, they went out, the messenger went out. The first one said, hey, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I must be excused. Now, some of you say, oh, well, that makes sense. I mean, you buy a piece of property, you want to go see it. New Testament day. Buying a piece of property was complicated and it took quite some time. Well, kind of like today, right? You have to get everything together. You've got your financing today. You've got to go find the right lawyer today. You've got to close everything today. We under, in the New Testament day, well, it would take a while. 
And it is unfathomable to think that they would not go and see the piece of property before they entered into this loan process. In other words, this guy had not even gone and looked at the property he was buying. Understand, this is just an excuse not to go. Well, the second, very similar to the first, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. The word test means I am going to literally try them out. I'm going to make sure that they are what I need. Well, you've already bought them. You've already bought them. I mean, again, who, how many of you in this place would say, hey, I'm, going to, I'm just going up to the dealership and I'm just going to tell them just to pick out a car or a truck and just bring it to me? And I'll be good with that. I don't have any kind of preferences. I, I have nothing. Just, just bring it to me and I'll be good. No, you do not do that. If you're going to make such an investment, again, you would try it out beforehand. And these five oxen, he's, or five pair of oxen, he says, we've not tried them out. Well, get, this is the other side of this, okay? Let, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they didn't go look at the land. Let's say they didn't go try out the five pair of oxen. Well, if you didn't do it before, what does it matter now? Right? You've already bought them. Guess what? All sales are final. No returns. So notice how these two excuses are unreasonable. And then the third. Says, oh, I can't go. I have a wife now. So a couple of thoughts. One, if he just got married, okay? If he just got married, he didn't know that when he was responding to this invitation to the supper. I mean, because like today, in most cases like today, most cases like today, it takes time to get everything on the calendar and planned. I mean... In the New Testament day, when a young Jewish woman was getting married, it was going to be a process. And even the marriage celebration itself is going to take many days, right? So some of you who are here, and you've been through wedding processes, let's say in in our time, most of them take a while, right? I had somebody call me up the other day and say, hey, I need to make sure that I have you on the calendar to preach my wedding in so-and-so of 2017. <laughs> what? 2017? I ain't even begun to think about 2016 in my life, much less 2017. But there are all these processes that we go through today and make sure we've got the preacher and make sure we have the sanctuary and make sure that we have all the things planned. When the New Testament age, they had given plenty of preparation. So again, if he had just gotten married, if he had just gotten married, did he not know that he was going to get married when he responded to the invitation? Notice here how his, his argument does not hold up. And look at the flip side of it. He says, I, I'm, I'm married and have a wife now. Well, sure, guy, I'm sure that your wife 
does not want to get dressed up, go to a party, and enjoy herself. You know, she just likes staying home all the time. She doesn't care. Football Saturdays, that's good enough for her. She's not all into the... Come on, ladies. Would you object to a nice evening out? It's going to be awesome. It is the party of the century. It is the celebration. It is the banquet that you'd want to go to. Again, notice how his reasoning does not hold up. And that is the point that Jesus brings out. These individuals come and they make excuses about not joining the banquet. Even though they had said, we want to be a part. Even though they had RSVP'd and said, we are so thankful we're on the guest list, we want to be there. When it actually comes time, they make excuses. This is the reality that we must face. Listen to me this morning. This is the truth of the scripture. Not everyone is going to the party. Not everyone is going to be a part of the banquet. In particular here, I think Jesus is speaking to those who are around him. The leadership of the day, the religious leadership of the day, the Pharisees in particular, but the Jewish nation. I think he's speaking to them in particular. Specifically, he is calling them out here. Why? Because they had been invited to the party. The party being the kingdom, right? They had been invited to be a part, to participate in the kingdom of God. In the Old Testament, prophet after prophet had given invitation to them and said, we want you to come. You are our, God has said that you are our special people, the peculiar people, the wonderful people that he has a plan for. We want you to come into the kingdom and be a part of what is going on. But then when the true messenger, the Messiah himself, comes before the people of, of Israel and he extends to them this invitation to come into the kingdom, at that moment, they begin to make excuses. The very people that should have recognized who Jesus was, the very people that had studied, that had looked longingly for a Messiah, those very people now are rejecting the invitation to the people, to the kingdom of God. Again, it's so easy for us to reject the invitation, to, to make excuse. Let's say for those of us who are saved, who God has extended to us an opportunity to work with him in the kingdom. I mean, that's what we've talked about this last year, right? Hands on mission. That you can be a part of the mission and the ministry of God. That you can join into the kingdom. That you can join the party. And that you can make a difference. Isn't that what we've celebrated? Isn't that what we preach and what we teach? And yet... There are many of us who can make excuses about our work for the kingdom. It can go across the board, all generations, all ages. We've accepted the first invitation, but when it comes to really joining in to the kingdom work, we find excuse. Let's say right now for the college student. The college student who is going through all of his or her studies, the college student that is just 
buckling under the pressure because of all the things that are coming. You, you can hear him say, well, you know, it's just college. Things are busy right now. And uh, I've got to give myself to my studies. Uh, I, I'll, I'll get back to doing what I'm supposed to and serving Christ. But I just need a break. Or I just need a moment right now. Friends, God has never given you an opportunity or never invited you to check out of the kingdom for a little while. Young adults, have you seen my calendar lately? Have you seen all the things that the children are involved in? One of these days, once we get all the children situated and we get them all, then we'll get back plugged into the kingdom of God and then we'll be serving him and we'll do whatever we're supposed to do. My friends, God has not given you your children as an excuse to step out of the kingdom. He's given you your children as an opportunity to express the kingdom of God in their lives and in others' lives. How about empty nesters? My kids, you know, when we were there, we were in the youth group, and we were doing all this. But you know, right now, it's just that time of life where they've moved on and... Uh, you know, we just need a break. No. No. How about senior adults? Do you know how many years I've served the kingdom? I've been there and I've done this. It's time somebody else do this stuff. Not me. As long as there's breath in your body and as long as God has given you the opportunity and ability, you are to be about the kingdom's work. No excuse holds up. For your inactivity in the kingdom of God. But I say to you in the larger picture. In the larger picture. Not everybody is going to the party. And what I mean by that is not everyone who has been invited. Will choose to show up in the kingdom. For his work. Not everybody will. Now it's not because they didn't have opportunity. God was extending the invitation, right? But not everyone will come. So what does God want us to do? Join the party. Join the party. He wants us first to come and commit our lives to Him and trust Him and believe Him and accept the Messiah, the messenger that has come and said, you can come and be a part of this fellowship and this relationship. So come and join the party. And join it with all your heart. I can't believe I'm going to say this in a Baptist church. But I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's all, about two years and I think I'm on, off of probation now. Maybe back on soon. But When you join the party, you ought to party with everything you got in your heart. You ought to party with everything you got. You ought to bring your best. You ought to bring your commitment. You ought to say, hey, I'm here and I want to celebrate and I want to party and I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. Now, I know what some of you are saying. It's not all about a party, <clears throat> preacher. I know that. I know the difficulties that arise within the Christian faith. I know the difficulties we face in this world. We have been reminded so vividly about that this week. But what we should do is tell people that there is joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is joy in Him that's unlike any other experience that you will ever have. 
And it is a peace and it is a comfort that you can have no matter what goes on in this world. A contentment that will hold you in place even as the world itself shakes around you. And the kingdom of God is for the celebration that the Savior himself has come. And that the Savior himself is the Lord of all. That is the celebration that we have at this party. Join the party. What's wonderful and gracious about this master is he has invited everyone. Verse 21 said, so that servant came and reported these things to his master. He said, master, they're not coming. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. The exact language that he had used earlier in his conversation there in that house of the Pharisee where he had encouraged those to invite these individuals that could offer nothing. He says, you invite them. Those individuals who may not be able to pay you back, invite them. And now what we see is that the master says, you go out and you find them. God invites us all to join the party. It does not matter your social status. It does not matter your economic value. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter your background. Guess what? We can all come into the kingdom of God. He says, you go out and you tell people. And you find these individuals that recognize their desperate need. And you bring them in. He comes back and he says, Master, I've done what you've said here in this community, in this city. But there's still room. Get this. The master says, we're going to have a house full. I haven't prepared this dinner to be wasted. I have prepared this banquet for people to enjoy. So you know what he said? He said, you go out. And you, can, you go out into the highways and hedges. You leave the city. You leave the comfort of the walls. You go out into the highways and the hedges. And you find, you compel those individuals to come in. Now some people have tried to use this and say, See, God will force you to come if he really wants. One messenger cannot force all of these people to come in. In this passage. The way Jesus would understand this here in this context. Okay? Now I know God's powerful enough to do whatever he wants. But in this passage, reasonably... The messenger cannot force these people, but he can urge them and encourage them. He can compel them to come with him. Because so many of them would probably think, what? The master wants me to, I mean, I'm nothing. I'm unworthy. He doesn't know me. He says, you compel them, you persuade them, whatever it takes to come in. God has come to us, right? Understand, biblically speaking, scripturally speaking, we would be the outcast Jesus was speaking of here. We are not part of the nation of Israel. We were not those that were given that first invitation, so to speak. But God's kingdom has been open to all of us through Jesus Christ. And while we might not find the Jewish lineage in our background, my friends, we do find... The family of God open to us all. The grace and the goodness of this God we serve. So I say again, we join the party. We don't allow our background. We don't allow 
are standing to keep us from joining the party. And then what do we do? We invite others. We invite others to the party. Notice the messenger went out and urged. Well, you know what? In so many ways today, what are we doing? We're just like that messenger. We go out and we say, hey, we, we, we want to persuade you to join the kingdom of God. I mean, our master has prepared something tremendous and wonderful. And we want you to experience the eternal life that we've experienced in life. We want you to come. We want to compel you. We want to urge you. My friends, in a day that we live, in the world that we see, as I said earlier, we know that people need the love of Christ. Why are we not sharing such love and inviting them? And you know what? Going beyond, certainly it is assumed we would invite our family and our friends, but going beyond to the highways and the hedges and saying, come and be a part of this celebration, this banquet. In so many ways, we experience it now. But as so many theologians have expressed it, his kingdom is already, but not yet. In other words, it's already come through Christ, but the true fulfillment and consummation of his kingdom will come when he returns. I love the picture in Revelation 19. Revelation 19, verse 5. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, write, blessed. The word blessed means joyful, happy, content. Are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. One of these days, get this, the picture that is painted for us. One of these days, all of us who have accepted, all of us who have given our hearts and lives to Christ and committed ourselves to him, one day we will get caught up in the greatest party that we could ever imagine called the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will stand there as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ arrayed in fine linen because of the righteous acts that God has allowed in our lives. The righteousness that has come through Jesus Christ himself. We will stand there together. Folks, what a day would that would be, huh? I want you to take the greatest moment that you've ever had. The greatest celebration you've ever been a part of. And I want you to multiply it exponentially. And I'm going to say to you, you will never get there to the experience we will have one day. As we sit before Christ himself. And we've joined the great banquet. It is all... It is all about what we do now. With the invitation that we have been given. Now... We can say, 
We accept. We will come. We will be there. And yes, we, will, we show up for the kingdom work. So that one day, we will see the great banquet of heaven. Today, it's all about us going and saying, we want you to be a part of what God's got planned one day. And the only way you can do it is through the blood and the work of Jesus Christ in your life. Let's join the party. And let's invite others as well. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We, th we praise you. For, Father, we could not have attained this promise. We could not obtain the salvation. We could not obtain this joy alone. But, Father, we are able to join into your kingdom and to look forward to something so much better because you have extended a gracious invitation to us. Because your Son, the Lord Jesus, came and gave himself as the ultimate sacrifice for us. And Father, I pray this morning in this place that we have not only, we, we've not come to that place of just giving you the head nod or the RSVP, but Lord, we've actually joined the kingdom. God, I pray that you would call us this morning and that you would help us to commit ourselves to your invitation. And God, challenge us to take the message, the message of hope and the message of love to others wherever it is. Help us to be hands-on in our testimonies. Now, God, be with us during this invitation. We pray you'd work mightily at this moment. We ask it in Jesus' name.